This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning. Good morning. So I have good news for y'all. You know, I can't, I try not to do this, but I can't help it. I look forward to it. Um, It's going to be mostly under 100 degrees for the whole week. I try not to, but I just, I love it so much. So dearly. Um, Two things. Real quick, I am really excited about our evening study next week. Please be praying for that. Again, we're doing it for the sake of availability. Um, Most of the churches in our area don't do a Sunday evening service. A lot of people are against it for some reason, but whatever. You know, we live in Las Vegas, which is like 24 hours a day. It's not like. It is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if I told you how many people I talked to that said, oh man, I'd love to go to church, but I work at that time. I'd love to go to church, I work at that time. So we just want to be available, be praying that we are a light in our community and able to um, bless people through that service, be praying for those people, be praying for the service starting next week. It's going to be great. And then the other thing I wanted to share with you guys is that um, I'm, I'm looking at and starting to plan our trip to Croatia next year which you guys know how excited I get about that. And the reason I'm letting you know so far in advance is that we're looking at two possible dates this time. It could be either in January or June. So the reason I'm letting you know now is so that you can start to pray about it. There's a, there's a list at the information station with Ronnie uh, that you can sign up for that. That fills up quickly, and it's a limited number of people that we can take. We can't take any more than like eight people, nine max. So... Um, Pray about that. See what the Lord has for you. The reason that we might do it in January is because there's an opportunity for us to serve at two different conferences during that time. And then in June, we'll still have other things that we do, but um, it won't include that one of the conferences. So we'll still do the other one. So pray about that. Think about it. Jot your name down on the the list if you're interested so that I I can know. And then before we get into the study today... um, I have this kind of tradition. It's not a Calvary Chapel thing. It's just a thing that I've always done. We've always done it. I always did it before. We've always done it since we started the church here. So we are a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter church. We teach through the whole Bible, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. And whenever we finish a book, I just like to spend some extra time seeking the Lord when a book is finished and say, Lord, do you have something special for your church um, for this Sunday or the next two Sundays? So what I do is between books, we either have a guest speaker or um, I do a topical message. So today's a topical message. If you're here for the first time, it's not typically like this, but I like topical messages just as much as I like teaching or studying through the word. So we're going to be starting the book of Ecclesiastes on Sunday mornings, but today is going to be a special message on seven promises of God. We've talked a lot about um, the promises of God as we're going through the book of Numbers on Wednesday night. 
and them going into the promised land. We've talked a lot about the promises of God on, on Sunday morning when we were going through 1 Corinthians as well. And, and I find that a lot of times we just, we talk about the promises of God in a general way, you know, like this is the promise of hold true to the hold tight to the promises of God or whatever. But today I want to focus in on seven specific promises that God has for you in, in regard to relation to life because life can get nasty sometimes let's go ahead and go to the lord in prayer before we get started father god we thank you so much that for every problem there's a solution and that we're not stuck in our problems we're not stuck in uh, the the death of this world you are good god and that you've got exceedingly great and precious promises for us we we know that sometimes as believers, that can sound cliche. We don't want to sound cliche. We want to give you our hearts, but stand on your word and stand on the promises that you've given us in confidence, knowing who you are, knowing your character, and drawing near to you today. So thank you, God, for this word that you have for us. We pray that you would bless it. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity we just had to offer you the fruit of our lips sing songs to you, worshiping and adoration. Thank you, Father, for the studying of your word. We do it as a form of worship. We want to be not only hearers of your word, but doers also. Sow it into our hearts so we can do it this week. And then lastly, Father, we thank you for your provision for taking care of us. And we pray that our tithes and offerings to you today would be blessed that you would be worshiped through the giving of, of those tithes and offerings and, and that you would be glorified, God, through um, what you want to do with our church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Current affairs, anxiety, skepticism, toxic people, other opinions, fear, and future. These are the things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Can I get a witness? We're going to have to deal with stuff on a daily basis. And you as a child of God, you as a son and daughter of the Most High, he has given you promises to help you deal with the issues that you're going to uh, be faced with on a daily basis. And God wants you to have that confidence. So like I said before, we've been going through numbers as the Israelites are getting ready to go into the promised land. And we've been talking about the promises of God on Sunday mornings in 1 Corinthians too. But, but I want to specifically give you 15 verses that are going to point to uh, the promises of God in your life and how you can apply them today and tomorrow because tomorrow's Monday. And that's when you really need the promises of God. Right? Testify. <laughs> Amen. So what I've done here is I've created an acronym. And I want you guys to follow along with me. It was a ton of fun. I had fun doing it at the beginning of the week and working through it. You guys know I'm a cornball, so roll with it. If you're taking notes, go ahead and jot down each the start of each letter as we go through. You'll see what our final conclusion or the final message is the takeaway at the end of the service and we will begin with c being current affairs or the state of the world right now and i know that that can be pretty depressing for me um if you guys see what's happening in the world right now just craziness i i sometimes i wish that we could go back to a time when when there was no internet, <laughs> I remember those days, by the way. 
There was no internet. There was no, no quick transmittal of information or communication. There was a process of time. And, and sometimes you'd have somebody go on horseback as fast as they can to take the news somewhere else. But our times have changed. And we get news like that. What was it, yesterday or Friday, I was sitting on the couch. I think it was yesterday. I was sitting on the couch going over my notes and looking at some stuff at, at home. And, and um, I got a notification, and I looked at it, and uh, Senator John McCain passed away at 81. Like that, like the moment that it happened. And then I got like three or four after that. Like everybody wanted to let everybody else know what happened. And I'm like, it kind of it hit me a little harder than, than other news, you know, because I was like, man, that's, there's a man who right now is standing before the throne of God at this moment, and, and we probably were informed the second after it happened, or pretty soon. And I know right now that he has passed from, from finality into the infinite, into eternity. And it just kind of hit me kind of hard for some reason. I'm like, man... But all of the news, all of the bad news, I wish that I could turn it off sometimes, but I also kind of, in a sick, twisted way, I kind of like the news because I like to know what's going on. I'm not a masochist. But I saw a, a headline, and I'm not really going to get into the article. It doesn't have to do with the Bible study, but something very disturbing going on in Nevada right now. And I'm just like, man, this stuff that's happening is just nasty. And, and the way that... That we live our lives, we're affected by the things that are happening in the world around us, right? We're affected by it, and it could bum us out or make us have a bad day. Do you know that the current affairs of this world should not affect you as a child of God? I mean, to one degree, positively it should affect you, but not, not so much negatively like it affects other people. And people talk about, this is just one quick example, people talk about how bad it is and how terrible things are and how it's getting worse. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's because there's about to be another outpouring of God's spirit and people are gonna, there's gonna be revival because whenever it gets the darkest and the nastiest, like in the 60s, you know, when everything was just like falling apart, it was like one of the biggest revivals of our time. So that's what I pray. Turn it over, redeem it. It's not bad. It's good because people are gonna finally understand and see how depraved they are, how bad things can get. And they're gonna turn to a loving, gracious, good God. So see, current, effects, current events should not affect you as it affects the world uh, as a Christian. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away. Did you guys know that? The world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. I did you an extra favor, a solid here, and I highlighted the promises in each one of these verses. And for very many of those promises that you're going to look at, most of them start with but. The world is jacked up. The world is messed up. It's passing away. But God. And isn't that true in your life? Things can be going sideways. Things could be so messed up, but God shows up. And that's what we need to remember and meditate on on a daily basis. But he who does the will of God abides forever. 
yeah, things are jacked up, things are sideways, the world is crazy, but as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a child of God, desiring to do the will of God, doing God's will, you bite forever. That speaks of eternal life, not tomorrow, not when you die, not in the future, but it speaks of security and life and eternal life today, right? Because if you can be confident of the promises of God in the future, we talked about a couple weeks ago, then you can surely be confident of the promises of God today. And his promises to you is, even though the world is passing away, even though things look nasty, don't worry, because you who do the will of God, you are the children of God, abide forever. The second promise, Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to go ahead and turn to this one. Matthew chapter 24, 10 through 14. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. If there's not one verse that kind of sums up world affairs right now i think that isn't that kind of kind of where it's at many will be offended or offend each other and will betray each other and will hate each other then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold it's a chilling verse but he who endures to the end shall be saved And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. He who endures to the end shall be saved. You guys know that in in the difficulties of life and the troubles of life that you go through, the endurance is always part of the equation. It's going to get too hot. It's going to get too hard. I have shared with you before, I'm very transparent, I'm very honest with you. I have felt sometimes at times of just giving up in my struggle against sin and against the flesh. I've struggled with just giving up with fighting the spiritual battle that we have to put up with on a daily basis. When I say I've, I've thought about giving up, I mean, I haven't really considered it, but it's there, right? It's there. It's like, man, I can barely deal with my own issues and problems and struggles on a daily basis, and I have a whole bunch of other people that I have to do theirs too. And I'm like, God, this is too much. And you know what God is so faithful to say to me every time I pray that prayer in one form or another, I say that to God and he's so faithful to say to me, Tim, keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Persevere. Endure. And the promise is, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Again, salvation is the ultimate end, but salvation can happen and does happen for us today as well. Especially when you're dealing with those issues and troubles of current affairs in life. Number two, anxiety. We got an A. Anxiety and the promises of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. These verses for every believer, especially if you're a young believer, these verses are foundational for you. These promises, you have to write them on a sticky note and put them on your mirror, put them on your refrigerator, go to the home place store and get the verses on the pictures and put it on your wall. You know what I'm trying to spit out. 
You got to surround yourself with the promises of God to be reminded of his promises for you because we so quickly and so easily forget. And if you don't, I'm telling you what, I do. And I know you do too. But it's interesting that if you look at this word worry, if you want to take note of that word, if you're taking notes, you can circle it or underline it. That word for worry is marinamo, and it means literally to be careful. Can you close that door, please, if you don't mind? It means literally to be careful. And, and what it would, what it, how it would literally be translated is don't be troubled with cares. Don't worry about tomorrow. Literally, don't be troubled about cares. And for some reason, that kind of jumped out at me. I liked that when I, when I read that and looked at it in the Greek. Because you care about stuff, right? You have cares. This is all going to tie around when we get to the end. It's all going to tie around. Keep this in mind. Don't be troubled about what you care for. Don't be letting it affect you or move you in the way that you live your life on a day-to-day basis. So, I, so, so therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet they, their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? I've always had this kind of an issue. I think back in the day, uh, it had a term, short man syndrome. You guys ever heard of that before? Everybody was always taller than me, and I hated it. We were standing in a circle this morning, praying before the service, and Charles stood next to me. And I just wanted, if I had something, I'd stab him in the leg, you know? We're holding his hand. His hand's like three times bigger than mine. And it's like, it's okay, Tim, you're smarter, you know? He might be bigger, but you're, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Charles. He can't even hear me. But by worrying or tripping out, I hate basketball. It's a one-sided sport. You never see any five, you know, five-foot guys in there playing, no matter how good they are. These are the sports that are a little bit more balanced. You know, bigger guys do better, but still, like you can have a short, like Rudy, you know, and stuff like that. But by worrying, you can't change your appearance or, or you can't get bigger. So why do it at all? What's the point? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And then here's the promise. Here's the, the takeaway. You guys underline this in your Bible. If it's not already, it should be you like scratched through the other page. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see that again? But your warriors... And, and you, you worry about where your food's going to come from and what clothes you're going to wear and all these different things. And he says, don't worry about that stuff, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You can't experience the provision of God until you actually submit to God. 
that you can receive his provision. If you start focusing so much on the things, what I've found, I've seen, is that the more people focus on the things, it's like when they get them, the quicker they lose them. It's ridiculous. But when God gives us something, it has value and it remains. So don't worry about the stuff. God is going to take care of you. Uh, There was a season in my life where God was really impressing this verse on me over and over and over again. I want to tell the story real quick because uh, it's, a, it's a longer story, but I want to tell it real quick. There's one particular where I was falling in love with this girl named Grace Chadwick. It was in Bible college. And I didn't want to fall in love with her. I was opposed to the idea. But she was super cute, and I couldn't help it. So during this season, I was like so dead set on just seeking God. You know, I don't want, I, was, I had, always had a girlfriend, always was in some kind of relationship, especially I mean, bad relationships in the world. And then when I started walking with the Lord, I said, I'm no longer dating anybody. The next woman I date, God, I want to be my wife. And I didn't date anybody until uh, Grace and I started courting and we ultimately got married. So by the grace of God. So I'm really attracted. And the Lord over and over again is telling me, not yet. Wait, wait, wait. I prayed for her and fasted for her for an entire year before I told her how I felt. And the Lord kept saying to me, seek first my kingdom, Tim. Don't seek the girls. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you over and over and over again. I'll never forget, there was one day, it was in the evening. I was in the chapel. It was empty. There's a lot of chairs and I'm on my face. I moved some chairs. I'm on my face praying, seeking God. Please get this woman out of my head. She has invaded my privacy and I want my life back. This is not a joke. I'm on my face. I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm crying. I'm, I want to seek you, Lord. I'm an idiot. I'm in the flesh, whatever. All of a sudden, I hear the door creak. I look over, and here comes Grace Chadwick walking into the sanctuary. And she walks up onto stage. I'm like, what in the? She walks over to the piano and sits down, and then she starts to play and sing. Do you know what she started to sing? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Uh, But I'm trying, Lord. Like, give me some credit. I'm trying. So when we decided, I have to finish part of the story. Sorry, you guys are going to be here a little late. So, So when it finally was time, I was praying one day and the Lord said, go tell her, go tell her. Now it's time. You can tell her. So I went and talked to her and told her and She's like, yeah, I kind of like you too. And so we started seeing each other. And um, afterwards, we're married and stuff. And she's like, uh, no, I think maybe we're still dating. You know, she, we were talking and she's like, you know, if you would have tried to talk to me and tell me that you like me at any point before um, when you did, I wouldn't have been interested in you. I wasn't interested in you. I didn't care. And it was just recently. It was actually the end of the last semester when I started to be like, you know, Tim, maybe true story. I'm like, why? I mean, look at me. Why wouldn't you be attracted to me? (laughs) Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He's going to take care of you. He wants you to. He doesn't want you to worry about stuff. He doesn't want you to worry about people. He doesn't want to worry about what you're going to wear. He wants you to seek him so that he can take care of you, so that he can provide for you. 
Number two, I have two verses for each one of these difficulties, two, two verses that highlight a promise. Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. You know what, let's turn there as well because we've got two verses in Philippians. That's New Testament, right? Yeah. Philippians chapter four, verses, oh look, I had my, I had my ribbon there. I was, that's weird. Anyway, Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. In everything, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Are you a warrior? Not a warrior like me, a warrior. You struggle with things, being in control, making things happen. Listen, until you stop, you're not really, what's the opposite of anxiety? Peace. Until you stop and really surrender to God, you're not really going to be able to experience the peace of God in your life. And the peace of God is not only a promise, it's a purpose and part of his will for you. God wants you to be at peace. We need to understand this. God wants you to be at peace. And look at that. But it, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. If you're still worried and you say, hey, how come I'm still worried? I'm trying to give this over to God. You know what my advice to you would be? Pray more. You're not praying enough, not in an accusatory sense, but, but pray more. Pray more till it goes away. Don't stop praying because that's what the word tells us. Pray, pray, pray. And then what's the next thing that you can do in that verse to help with anxiety? Thanksgiving. Instead of looking at the things that you want or looking at the things that you don't have, start thanking the God, thanking the God for the things that you have. Start thanking God for the things that you have. Let your requests be known. Sometimes I even say it like that, like that you know? Literally, I'm like, Lord, this is my request. This is my request. Can you help me out? And the peace of God that comes that you can't even wrap your head around it. You can't even imagine what it's like to have that peace of God wash over you. Number three, skepticism. This is closely connected to or tied to skepticism and the promises of God. It's tied to negativity. You deal with negativity in your life? You deal with negative people? Skeptical people? I feel like everybody nowadays is negative or skeptical. It's like, oh, what about this and what about that? And oh, so-and-so said this, but they probably meant that. Knock it off. You know who's a skeptic? The, the chief of skepticism and negativity? Satan himself. It's exactly what he did to Eve in the garden, didn't he? He said, hey, Eve, did God really say? I mean, look, it's pretty. You can eat it. And girls like pretty things that they can eat. So you should eat it. And she's like, yeah, that's true. It is pretty. And I, and I am kind of hungry. Skepticism, negativity plants a seed. Listen, if, if you are living in skepticism and negativity in your life right now, God does not have that for you. 
It is in contradiction to the promises that he has in your life. Philippians chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, which we were still there. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You want something to meditate on? Don't meditate on the junk and negativity of this world. Don't meditate on the the skeptical things that you see happening around you. Meditate on the good things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If negativity and skepticism is not coming from God, who's it coming from? It's coming from Satan. And if you're starting to experience that stuff, the the Bible tells us, the word of God says, submit yourself to God in that thing, resist the devil, and he'll be gone. He'll flee from you. He can't stay in that presence that God has given you, and you will receive the peace of God, again, that passes understanding. Number four is T. Toxic people and the promises of God. Y'all ever deal with toxic people? (laughs) Have you ever dealt with toxic people? They are the worst. And and there's certain people, relationships that you cannot get away from. There's two times in my life that God so clearly demonstrated this verse that I'm going to give you. The first verse that I'm going to give you uh, through a toxic person. There was this person that I was, we, we served together and, and he had taken some authority over me and I wanted to do something and he said, no, you can't do that because I'm in charge and you're not. And, and I was so frustrated and so upset and, I, and I, I went home and I'm just like, man, you know, told Grace, I'm like, this is what he said and he's, he's, he's making me do what he wants and blah, blah, blah. And I was super upset and thinking of all the things that I wanted to say to him and I was going to tear him apart and tell him what a loser he was, you know. And God spoke to me and he said, Tim, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 18. And when I say God spoke to me, it was more like this. Tim, Romans 10, 18, read it now. And then he spoke to me through his word. So I opened up my Bible I turned to Romans chapter 10, 18, and I read, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And I'm like, man, that means I can't take vengeance on my, because I'm a good avenger. I would be like a superhero avenger. Like the kind of vengeance I want to take, this stuff's solid, you know? It's rated R, but it's still solid. No, God says, I don't want you to avenge yourself. I don't want you to to knock it off. You do everything that you can do to live peaceably with this person. And I am going to take care of it. 
And not even, it wasn't even three months later, that guy was gone. He was gone and never had to work with him, never had to talk to him again. Just like that. And here I'm tripping. I'm looking at different places we can move. I'm like, let's go move over here. And Grace is like, Tim, like, we can't move. This is where God wants us to be. Don't. Don't take vengeance on yourself. Toxic people are going to be there. They're going to come and go, God is going to take care of you. God has got your back. Trust him and do everything that you can to live peaceably with all men. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. There's a promise there, isn't there? Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, you can flip this, and if you as a Christian like, enjoy, cultivate toxic people in your life, you are going to become a toxic person. It's just, a, it's just a, it's a matter of time. You need to separate yourselves from toxic people. You can't buy into the toxicity because sometimes we want to. We feel like we can take some vengeance for ourselves. We can stand up for ourselves. God says, don't be deceived. You separate yourself. You be holy unto me. I'm going to take care of you. I will avenge you. Number five. Opinions of others. Opinions of others about you and the promises of God. Do you, do you guys, does anybody have any opinions about you? Well, I think you should do this, and I think you should do that. And, and oh, you know, I was talking to so-and-so, and they said this about you. So what? Who cares? Why are you going to let toxic people affect you like that? I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they're like, hey, you know, I was talking to so-and-so who'd been to church here, and I was like, hey, how come you don't come to church with us at Paradise? And they're like, because I really don't like Pastor Tim's teachings. And, and that person came back and told me. And I was like, I, I love my teachings. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just thought like, you know, the first thing I thought, literally, the first thing I thought was, who cares? I don't care. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me. Thank you, Lord, for taking the toxic person with, for, because of my abrasiveness or whatever it was. God's going to take care of you. Opinions of others. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Where's your mind at? Is your mind on the others and what they're saying? Is it on the others and their opinions? Is it on everything else but what you should be doing, which the promise of God in your life for that is keep your mind on him. Meditate on him. Keep your mind stayed there because he trusts in you. Because I trust God. I'm not so concerned about what other people think about me as long as I'm confident in what God thinks about me. I used to, I've shared this with you guys before. I've really struggled through the process and being a pastor and teaching God's word. I've struggled with allowing my personality to come out a little bit. And I used to not do it. I used to be very, you know, like pastoral. People are like, you're a pastor? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of weird, but I think that God made me this way, maybe. I still got to check the flesh, right? But still, I, I can allow myself to be myself along with what God's created me to be and, and, what, and what he's created me to do. For in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. When you hear people talking about you, it kind of brings weakness, right? Insecurities. 
man, why would they say that? Maybe I do need to spend a little bit more time in the books. Maybe they'll come back and they'll like the message next time. This, this isn't about me. This is about the glory of God. This is about biblical applications to our lives on a daily basis. My strength is in him. I know I have weaknesses, but the promise is focusing on, on his strength, everlasting strength. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Are you afraid of people? Are you afraid of what people think about you? Does it affect the things that you do? Does it affect the way that you live your life? Yeah, it brings a snare. If you do, it brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Lord, I don't care about what other people say or do. I trust you. I don't need to trust anybody else. You alone are good. You alone are God. And what happens? You're safe. He cares for you. He takes care of you. Number six. You guys following along? You writing these down? Not for my sake, because I read them, not read them down already. It's a cool acronym. Number seven, six. Fear and the promises of God. Fear. Do you guys know what the Greek word for fear is? I thought that this was fascinating. I had known this from before, but does anybody know what the Greek word for fear is? Phobos. Do you know what that is? It's where we get our word for phobia. In the Bible, 364 times the Bible references this fear. One less than a full year, 365, 364 times. And I found that to be true, that people tend to live in a perpetual state of fear. And as a believer, it's no place to dwell it's no place to lay your head. God does not want you to be in a place of fear. He wants you to be in a place of security. 1 John 4, 17 through 19, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He's talking about security and knowing your eternity. He's saying that he doesn't want you to be living in a place of fear because you think you're going to get judged someday, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You know, the, the funny thing about being married is that the longer that you're married, maybe many of you know this, but the longer you're married, sorry for the single people, you will get to experience it someday. Just take that and put it in your pocket. As the longer that you're married to somebody, if it's a healthy, good relationship, which as Christians it should be, the, the more in love you fall with that person. I'll tell you what, I love Grace more today than I did when she walked in and played um, the song on the piano in the sanctuary. And you know, as we grow and as we age and I fall more in love with her, something I've seen or found to be true is that, that I can share anything with her. And I mean anything. You know, some of you guys think, yeah, right, anything. She gets it all, man. Poor girl. She hears about the things that I'm thinking. She hears about the things that I'm struggling with. And there's absolutely no fear of judgment. Absolutely not. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, that's agape fear that we receive from the Lord. 
But it's just, a, it's just a, an example of here, like, she knows me, I know her, I can be honest, there's no judgment. That's what this verse is talking about. Perfect love. That God knows you perfectly and he loves you perfectly and he wants you to reciprocate that love back to him. And, and, and because of the, 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 the connection that you have with him in relationship, there will be no fear. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, which is what the world operates under. The spirit of bondage again to fear. And you as a believer in Jesus Christ are not held in the bondage of the spirit of this world to be in fear. You have victory and freedom. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You know what the promise of God for you is? It's that you are his child and that he loves you. You know, my older kids are getting a little older when they come home from school. When I try to talk to them, I'm like, hey, how's it going, guys? They're like, hey, what's up, dad? Good day? Everything's fine. What'd you do? Nothing. I'm just like, okay, well, we'll talk later then. But Sophia's in this stage now where um, more than in the past, just recently in this stage where they come home and, and, and Sophia's like, Daddy! <laughs> and she runs over to me and she starts dancing around my legs and hugging me and kissing me. And I'm like, baby, I'll give you whatever you want. I love you, girl. She's like, I love you too, Daddy. I missed you. <laughs> We've been given the Spirit of God, which cries out, Abba, Father. And when we cry out to the Father because of the Spirit of God that he's given us, and we say, Daddy, Abba, Father, he looks down and he says, I'm going to give you whatever you want. I'm going to give you whatever you need. That's what he says. Look, and if children, heirs of God, heirs of God? that you are going to receive an inheritance because you've been included in, brought into the family of God. That's precious promise. It's a place to stand and receive the promise of God in the opposition, opposition in the face of fear. Number seven, future and the promises of God. Future, it could be past and future. It could be time but, you know, time can really mess us up. And, and sometimes it's the past and it's the things of the past that affect how we live today. God doesn't want that to be the case. There's a, there's a forgiveness of sin, a covering of sin, a progression away from sin as there should be. And God doesn't want us to be back in a place where he delivered us from. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 
I press toward the goal and the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting the things of the past, leaving those things be, pressing on forward. Yes, you've been hurt in relationships. Yes, you've been hurt in churches. Yes, you've been hurt in jobs. Yes, you've had a difficulty. God wants you to be delivered from your past, delivered from past things so that you can receive the inheritance and the promises of God today. And have confidence in tomorrow. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. Do not remember the former things, but consider the, the things, or can, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Specifically, Isaiah is referring to the prophecy of the new covenant that's going to come through Jesus Christ. But this is, I found, uh, I have found that this is the way that God works. He wants to take us from the covenant of death that bound us and bring us into abundant life. And the things that were dead or seemed dead, the desert times, he says, he's going to make a road. God says, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. I'm going to make rivers in the desert. Nor consider the things of old. Shall you not know it? He said, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be surprised. You're going to, it's going to be so clear. It could slap you across the face. This is clearly something that God is doing, but it's going to blow your mind. Forget about the past. Look to the future. God's purpose is going to be fulfilled in your life. He loves you very much. What did we spell, church? Cast off. And then our final verse, there was 14, this is the 15th, that brings it all together, like I said. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your cares upon him. Cast off. Cast the negativity and the toxicity and the future and the fear and the the other people's opinions and the anxiety. Cast it off on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. What was the word in Greek for worry? What was the word that I brought up there? Do you guys remember in the beginning? To worry is to what? Sorry, I can't hear you guys. Care. To care. To care for things. And it's just funny how it all came together with this verse. With when, when God says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him. Because he cares for you. Sometimes you don't think that he cares for you. You're struggling and, and you wonder what's going on. And the fear comes in or any one of those other seven things that we looked at. Hey, God wants you, God wants you to, 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 to just dwell in his promises. Maybe for one of you today, I think every single person here this morning has at least one of those things that we looked at. Let's go through them again really quickly. Cast off. Number one, current affairs. Number two, anxiety. Number three, skepticism, toxic people, opinions of others, fear, and future or time. 
Every one of us here deals with at least one of these things, if not multiple things. So instead of being general and saying, generally, God's given you good promises, trust in the promises of God. You have 15 verses this morning that you can write on the sticky note, put on your mirror, put on your refrigerator, go and get the picture from the home store and hang it on your wall, whatever, because they've got a ton of them out there. Just apply it to your life. Just settle down on his promises and take the one that applies to you and sow it in your heart so you don't have to deal with the things that are causing you stress and anxiety so that you can experience and receive the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you've called us your children that you've redeemed us to yourself so that we can have right relationship with you. And, and God, we thank you that not only have you given us those amazing, incredible things, but that, that you've also given us all these promises. And these are just 15 in, in, a, in a book, your word, that has thousands of them. And these are just 15 that so apply to our life today. So God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. Bring them to remembrance. remembrance. Help us to stand on them in confidence. We trust you. We pray that as we do respond to the difficulties and hardships of this life, that we will be demonstrators of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. 